Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casselelin, the French football podcast with the accent and, and a couple of accents on, on today's podcast. Uh, I'm joined by uh, Liam, Liam who's a writer uh, for Breaking the Lines and, uh, and Liam who has uh, an Irish accent and an Irishman in Australia. We're bringing you the world on Casselelin and you can't see him, but I, I see Liam uh, in the video call right now and he's wearing a Marseille shirt. So clearly he's the best host the best guest I've ever had on the show, Elia Mawaya. Hey, how are you, Jeffrey? Thanks for having me. Uh, it, it's a pleasure, and thanks for taking the time to to come here. Um, if if you don't know Liam, find him on Twitter. He'll be on the on the um, tweet anyway. He was on a tweet that I did earlier today to uh, announce the show. Uh, he wrote for Breaking the Lines a couple of times, an article about Nice, an article about Saint Etienne, uh, and he's doing an awesome job. Just go and read it, and hopefully you enjoy the the podcast right now. Another crazy weekend in Ligue 1. Uh, we've hit peak goal scoring, ladies and gentlemen. 38 goals in 10 games. Uh, it's the record of the season. Uh, and it's also only the fourth time uh, in the 21st century that it happens. Uh, 38 goals in, in one match day. It, it started well with, uh, I think it was 24 goals in the first four games. Uh, and we're going to talk about the, the two of those four games. Uh, in part one, we'll talk about Saint-Etienne, Les Verts who took a beat, a beat in on the weekend. Uh, and we, you know, Liam just wrote an article about them. They're one of the historical club of Ligue 1, of course, uh, and they're struggling this season, as we've as we said a few times. Um, we will talk about a little bit, how did they get there? And is Pascal Duprat the guy who can save them the way he saved Toulouse and, and Evian in the past? In part two, as usual, the match day, match day 31, with uh, the top four, Paris, Marseille, Rennes, and Strasbourg, all... Um, getting the results that they wanted. Strasbourg maybe maybe hopeful a bit better. Um, but but still a, a draw against Lyon is a good result. But also uh, Nice struggling to 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 stick with the top three, right? It's uh, it's surprising to see them dropping. Uh, and, and a couple of other games that we'll cover. We will start in a second, but as usual, we start with the music. Part one, Saint-Etienne, Lever. We're going to start by introducing you, Liam. Again, thank you for, for being on the pods. Um, you know, I've seen that article that you've published last week on Breaking the Lines uh, about Saint-Etienne and, and the history of the club and all the big names that have that have been there. J- just shortly introduce yourself, if you don't mind, for, for our listeners. Uh, you know, why do you listen to Ligue 1, be, be being Irish, and, uh, uh, and where does that love from uh, French yeah. football come from? Yeah, I, uh, very cosmopolitan in a way. I'm an Irish man. Um, obviously, being from the UK or Ireland, the Premier League's your your first point of call for um, your footballing medicine. Um, I'm a long-suffering Aston Villa fan. And when Aston Villa got relegated a few years ago, being in Australia, very hard to watch them. And I began getting an affiliation with Nice, um, don't tell them I'm wearing a Marseille jersey. This is for you, Jeremy. But yeah, I began watching a lot of these. Um, and uh, yeah, just really got into Liga on and then started watching the other teams. And sort of for anyone from the outside looking in, uh, St. Etienne, their story, when I was doing research to write that article, uh, it belongs in Hollywood. Yeah, and even th- this season, sort of a microcosm of their history. It's a roller coaster. Some of it you 
you wouldn't believe you think someone's making it up if they told you if you didn't read up about them or watch them on a weekly basis. But yeah, they I, I've never seen anything in all your media context from the outside looking in. Some of the stories are from the wild to the bizarre. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it is a historical club and for people who, who, who don't know Saint-Etienne or don't know Saint-Etienne enough, maybe, uh, I guess, if, you know, you can compare them to, to what Nottingham Forest was uh, in England or, or those club, past glorious club who've made it pretty big in, in the, uh, what was it, the Cup of the Club Champion back then, the Champions Club Cup, uh, where they, they made it in, in the final in the 70s and uh, like you write in your article, Michel Platini, of course, Jean-Michel Larquet, um, a, a lot of the best player for the French national team at the time were playing at Saint-Étienne before going somewhere else or even just staying at Saint-Étienne and making it their, their career. And I think it's half of the team who makes it to the uh, semi-final of the World Cup in 82 is from Saint-Étienne, uh, 84, when France won, win the Euro. Half of that team, again, can be traced down, traced back to Lever. Uh, so, so it's a club that is historical. There's been some some good and some bad. I feel like the last good um, spell that Saint-Étienne had, obviously, was with uh, Galtier as their coach. Uh, he, stay, he stayed there for four or five years, and, and I think four out of five qualified them for um, for the European football the, the year after. So, so things were... I guess things were looking up. Probably Galchik smelled that something was wrong and walked away. Uh, just mm-hmm. when the two presidents were quite uh, quite infamous in France for not knowing what they want, for not even working very well together, said they're going to sell the club. Then they don't sell it. Then they want to sell it. Then they don't sell it. This week again, they said, oh, actually, we don't need to sell it because of that new yeah. um, sponsorship coming into Ligue 1 uh, where they're going to get something like, um, I think it's 20, uh, 20 or 40 million Without without doing anything for it, um, so anyway, it is like like you mentioned, it is definitely a Hollywood story, and and this season as well. Jumping into this season, very complicated spell at the beginning of the season. Claude Puel as the coach, who was like half the coach, half the sporting director, even had um, you know a place on the board. Tried to stay as long as he could, couldn't couldn't keep it. Had to leave at Christmas because. Uh, too many losses. Pascal Duprat arrives. W- when you write that article and when you do your research, um, are you surprised that a guy like Duprat is what Saint-Gen takes instead of, uh, you know, I know they're fighting for survival, but instead of maybe a coach that will make them play a bit more football? Yeah, he, he saw Duprat sort of crosses me as uh, Sam Allardyce. He's almost yeah. uh, a break glass, a relegation survival specialist. There, there was a really interesting story there when when he joined them at Christmas time. Him and his assistant coach, they were staying in um, a hotel in Saint Etienne, and they were trying to source players for a busy winter transfer window. And he got a really harsh lesson. Um, it, Le Quip reported he was discussing, he went out for dinner and they were discussing the transfer targets. And of course, he did realise everyone in Saint-Étienne supports Saint-Étienne. <laughs> and the story was leaked all over the papers the next morning. But it, it's like you say, he seems to be um, very short term, especially for a club in flux like that that's, up for sale, not up for sale. Players going in and out through the door, getting some players in on loan. If it goes wrong, and when they were relegated before, they know how hard it is to get back up from league door. You know, you look at 
to lose, they're probably only really recovering now, rising like a phoenix from the ashes. But it takes a, a long time. And you would worry for a Saint Etienne or a Bordeaux. If they go down, they seem to display a lot of fragility. I don't think they're as quick in this relegation battle as a battle hard and Lorient or some of them teams that are used to this year in, year out. Yeah, that's true. They, they're, they're probably are the team that when they hit the slope, they think it's mid-table. They don't think it's, or is it, 13 or 16 losses in a row even for, for St. Etienne at one point. Uh, and and Dupas comes in, obviously, he's a uh, he's, he's what we call, I guess, a player's manager. He's all about uh, the mental values and the psychological values, and it's about being men, and it's about fighting hard, and it's about, you know, your honor and your dignity and blah, blah, blah. And that's what he says at every freaking um, press conference. Uh, it's not about the football. It's about what's in the head, which, you know, I guess 80% of surviving is probably about that, really. It's about the psychological uh, presence of the players. And they get a series of good results and then dip down completely. I mean, the game against Marseille last week was uh, was a joke. I've the whole season, I haven't seen a team that week playing against Marseille, and Marseille aren't at their best in the past couple of months. They're they're good without being at their best, and Saint-Étienne was just a joke. And then this weekend, uh, the game against Lorient that that you've that you've watched Liam uh, starts perfectly, and then the team completely crumbles. Uh, tell us about you know what you felt when you when you watched that game, that six-two win for Lorient yeah. against Saint-Étienne. Yeah. I- I think it's exactly, you made a really good point, Jeremy, as in it happened the week before too. So it was, they say lightning doesn't strike twice. And with Dupois, so it looks at his football philosophy that when you get in a lead like that, Manny, a tactician, would shut the game down. You you would try to shut the game down, get control of the game. But Friday night, we knew it was going to be a six-pointer. Didn't expect someone to kick six goals, but that's what happened. <laughs> St. Etienne were, they looked like relegation was in their rear view mirror. Bawanga got himself on the score sheet for Levere. He seemed like he was going to be the talisman that they were crying out for, the midfield general. He was running up and down through there. But then all of a sudden, they missed a few glorious opportunities when they were 2 0 up to extend their lead. And Moffi, the Nigerian Hoshaw for Lorien, when he's in the mood, he looks a level above Lorien. You, you think he could play for someone big, but that is when he is in the mood. That's the thing. It's his inconsistency. <laughs> but he was in the mood Friday night. And um, Enzo Levy, I've seen him a few times play for Lorien. My word, he, he has it all. He an all-round midfielder um, spraying the ball out both flanks. He hit Mendes multiple times, which was a constant out-ball getting... Uh, St. Etienne going on the back, but he seems he seems a real prospect. And Kone that Lorient procured in the winter window uh, from Norway, from Sarpsborg, he is only 22, but he doesn't look 22. He looks like he's 22 stone. He's a powerhouse of an athlete, six foot three. Uh, and it's funny enough, Lorient beat off competition from Nantes and launched to secure his signature. And he said the reason for that was the strong reputation in Mali that Lorient have after a remarkable legacy left by uh, Sadu Keita. So as you said, a month or so is a long time in Liga on, and even longer one 
if you're a St. Etienne supporter, because it appeared they had a real chance after they defeat Mets in the Cauldron on the 6th of March. And since then, they haven't won a game. Two draws, uh, followed by that Mets, big incredible draw to the Champions Lille, and then a disappointing one at home to fellow relegation rivals trois. That's where you would really worry for St. Etienne is they seem to be given points to these relegation rivals that are in it. We sort of mentioned there the January transfer window and they brought in Belladoni and Golds as a loan signing. Obviously, the new manager has worked with him before. But I think when you can see 10 goals in two games, there could be a real case for a young aptly named Etienne Green to uh, get his place back in goals again. I know on English shores, he's getting a big name for himself as he was born in Essex and his name obviously (laughs) destined to play for St. Etienne. But I think he should do a goalkeeper um, good to get a firing line when he's conceded 10 goals. But Friday night was all the Moffat and Kone show. Two African superstars, they've dragged Lorient back into the game. And it's just ensuing chaos again with St. Etienne. Even in the lead-up to the game last week, Kamlara um, was dropped from the St. Etienne squad and suspended for five days after bizarrely physically assaulting uh, a teammate. Well, mm-hmm. you could call him a teammate, it's loose. It's a bizarre tale. He allegedly assaulted the second goalkeeper of St. Etienne's reserves. Uh, their fans have been protesting on multiple occasions this season. They've been rock bottom for large periods of the season. I just, they have a tough run in too. If you look to the future there, if they got next to Brest, then Bordeaux, Monaco, Rennes, Nice, Rem, and then Nantes. So they've a lot of the teams in the hunt for European positions. Maybe Nantes to be in party mode after the Coupe de France. They might get an easy win there. Twenty for them. Yeah. Yet it's not looking good. Not looking good for Levert. Yeah, and, and what you mentioned about the goalkeeper, I had that chat with somebody on Twitter just yesterday, being like, "Oh, does that mean?" that Etienne Green is back on next week. Like you said, you know, you concede 10 goals in two games, uh, you know, a rest can only do you good. But but to be honest, um, in Marseille, against Marseille, maybe a goal or two can be put it to him. I, I guess he could have done something a bit better to try and save it. But against Lorient, he's abandoned by his defence. I mean, Colo Jechak starts the game with an awesome assist. And then after that, it was mistake after mistake. Last week, poor guy scored a non-goal against Marseille. This week, provoked the first penalty. Then he's a ghost on the second goal. Then Trauco comes and replaces him and he's not better. You get a guy like Mangala in defence who's supposed to bring the experience. I mean, the guy has played for Porto um, City as well. Uh, but then just doesn't translate, doesn't... Is never nowhere near the level that you expect him to be when he goes to a team like Saint Etienne. He's supposed to be the one who's going to drag them back and 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 lead that defense to be able to you know secure two zero and keep the two zero. Your two zero up away, like you know, lock everything down, park the bus, however you want to call it. Just put everybody behind and and make sure that you can resist. And and it looked like it's just not working anymore. You know, credit where it's due, Lorient was phenomenal. And Lorient is one of those teams that, it, the way I see it, they just had a run of bad luck all season. Uh, Christophe Pellissier, their coach, likes to play football. Um, and Enzo Levé, you mentioned in the, the number 10 for our 
English listener, his name in English would be Enzo the Ferry, which doesn't have the same same, same double meaning in in French. But uh, but that's how Fay translate translates. You have to change um, that name. Would be yeah. in English. <laughs> it, there's no double meaning in French uh, for Le Fay, but I know in English there is one. Um, but but in France, you got Le Fay, you got Lorienté, Mofi, and they got Coné. In form, that should be an easy 45 goals a year just between those four. Uh, and, and But you mentioned it. It's when they're in form. Terre Mofi has been quite inconsistent. Loriente has started the season uh, like a rocket with free kicks and penalty kicks and you name it. And then all of a sudden, is, is it a bit of a run of, you know, bad luck, bad form, a bit of, a bit of everything. Um, so so it's not surprising that Lorient can play that much football. It's surprising that saint Etienne crumbles this much. And again, Dupra was brought in to prevent this. He was brought in to cement that defense, to build from the back, to be able to say, we're going to be a very defensive team, a team, like I said before, you know, intensity, aggressivity, da, 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 what all the usual Samara Dice style, be men and go to war to be able to stay in Ligue 1. Uh, but the past three, four games, Troyes, Marseille, Lorient now, we, we're just not seeing that. And you're wondering... What's going to happen? Kamara was the captain. He's got in a fight. He's not playing anymore. They give the brassa, the armband to Kolo Jeshak. He's, he's been terrible the past couple of days. Where do you see, where do you see, where do you think Sunzen can find Solas? Like how, how, how do you turn this around? How do you try and hit a run of form to try and stay in league? And what's your, what's your good feeling about that, Liam? Yeah, it's, it's, like you said, it's when they suffer a setback, in, it's like the in-game management. It seems to be terminal. So the minute they concede one, it's like all their heads drop, the confidence is gone. They just completely crumble, which is it, it's sort of worrying in a relegation fight in that sort of essence that their in-game management just seems bizarre. If they could manage a 1-0 if a lever hit off some guy's backside and went in the bottom corner and they clung on, then you might stop the tie. But the thing you worry for them, they're passionate fans when they're winning, but they're also passionate fans when they're losing. And if in the next two games, next two home games, say if Monaco arrived at St. Etienne at the end of this month and gave them, gave them a paste in and maybe a way to rend then. The fans will turn. It'll just be toxic and be very hard to reverse the trend. I think they look in real trouble. I, I, if I was, if I was to put money out, if I was a bet man, I, I think even though Bordeaux so shows some signs of life, I think them and Bordeaux are in real trouble when you look at the games they've left to play. Yeah, exactly. And and that game in a couple of weeks, Bordeaux Etienne, is going to be uh, also important. And you saying just after there hosting Monaco, if they don't win against Bordeaux-Stetien, it looks like the next five games, there's four losses there. Monaco, Rennes, Nice, Nantes. I don't, I, I don't see them being able to actually win teams that are actually fighting for European football. And and three of those games are, are away. It just, like you said, it's just a very complicated, complicated end of season. It really looks like they just didn't pick up the point where they could. But, I mean, Buanga is finally scoring twice in two games. Uh, but he didn't have a great season before. They just don't really have the goals in them. You talk about the winter um, Mercato window. They've they've recruited Enzo Crivelli from, from Turkey. The, the man hasn't seen 
uh, the game. I mean, it's not his fault. You know, he's injured or whatever. But whoever makes the choices to to get those guys, you have to find the players that are fit to play. You need them to play. You need you need four months out of them at hundred percent. And and this need you know I know you can't be too picky when you're fighting for relegation for relegation. Excuse me, but you need to find the players that can put you out of there. And it looks like you know that's also something that maybe just hasn't hasn't really really gone their way. Um I, I guess I guess to to kind of like wrap it up uh about Saint-Etienne do do you think you know do you think another electroshock is I don't know changing coach one more time in the last five games to try and and, and rebuild up do you think there's something like that happening uh, in the background maybe I, somewhere in, in the craziness of that atmosphere I, I, I think if they lose if they lose next weekend at home to Brest I, I think it could be they they might need to change coach because do you take the risk on this terminally ill form they're on between now and the end of the season when you have a chance to change it I know it's it's bonkers at one stage they had more managers than wins <laughs> and if they keep going the way they get it might happen again but yeah I I, I, t- I totally agree with you I, I think if they lose again this week they're going to look and the players you have like you described in, in the winter window when you're in a relegation battle you need warriors battle-hardened players used to relegation they seem to have a lot of flair players who are really good when the wind is in your sails but not too good when you go a goal down away from home and there's a partisan crowd against you, you know. Their heads seem to drop incredibly fast. And as an outsider looking in, French football, a renowned solar um, in Ireland anyway, we always look to you guys that you always have fantastic centre-backs. You have centre-backs that can play football, St. Etienne don't. They, I, don't I think I get a game playing centre-back for them the way they play it. That's true, yeah, and and you, rightfully so. You mentioned the talent in Saint Etienne is there. Buanga, Boudebouz, uh, Aushish, Nordin, uh, Mangala, who has the story that he has, and, and sure, he's a bit less good right now. Um, but you know, even Neyu, who's a Cameroon player who got red carded this weekend, but who's um, you know a, a future talent with no doubt. Zaid Uf, who's a future talent, no doubt. Uh, Luca Gona, who's a future talent, no doubt. Uh, they have some players injured, of course. Uh, Ivan Masson, um, Wabi Kazri, who's, who's been instrumental for them all season, unfortunately isn't playing in the second part of the season. Nade in defense, who's there, they recruited for a, for a hefty fee. The, the talent is there. The players are there. Um, like you said, it, it is definitely looking like a, a squad that would do great with confidence. But as soon as they don't have it, they just don't have anybody in there able to pick them up. I think, to be honest with you, Magic Amara and that fight during um, during training, I'm a bit old-fashioned maybe in the way I see that, but if I'm fighting for relegation, I want my captain to fight at training yeah. if somebody is disrespecting them. You know, sure, for the culture of the club, maybe you can't do this, and we don't know the ins and outs. Maybe it wasn't about pride. Maybe it was something very stupid and he, probably, and he deserves that, that ban. But you can spin that story so well for the media by just saying that, you know, that that guy, you know, said you don't deserve to play in first team because you're about to be relegation. You spin that, you get all the fans behind you, you get the team fired up for the next game. Uh, I feel like it's always a little bit about that as well, the fight for relegation. If my captain goes into a fight during training, 
in the relegation um, survival fight. I I talk about it all day and I put it on the pedestal and I tell him, I've just covered your ass. You're going to have to be really good this weekend. I feel like there's so much of that management that has to come in. And it looks like when Jupra arrived, he did this and then he kind of lost it a little bit. And we're seeing it now. They're scoring goals. They're just considering way too many. I hope for Etienne and Green that he comes back next week on the game, but I'm also thinking, and that's going to be the, the very last one, this one, Liam. If you're the coach and you put Etienne Green in there, are you putting a better keeper or are you doing a bit of a sacrifice that a kid who hasn't played in four or five months, you're going to put him behind a defense who's been struggling and you might just break his confidence completely? What, what's your What's your view on that? Yeah, it's a gamble. And it's funny what you said there as well about a camera. It's like they've had so many sliding doors moments um, in their history in this season. And right at the beginning when we started talking about St. Etienne, we mentioned Galtier. You know, that is a massive sliding doors. They had, for me, the, the best manager in France. And he loved that club. He would have done anything for them. And they lose him just from ineptitude and not backing him. Not, not to the fans. The fans are really passionate. It was the board, the way the place is run. But this, as you said, could be a sliding doors moment where Etienne Green as well. As in, you look back to some of them Hollywood moments he had against PSG. It seems so long ago now. Some of them tremendous games he played when he looked like Superman in goal. But yeah, I, I think for his confidence too, if you're the second choice goalkeeper, and the guy ahead of you concedes 10 in two games and you don't get a look in. I think for him too, what will that do to his psyche? He's going, sure. mate. He's put his hand up going, I need a chance here. But they definitely need to make changes going into next week. Some of those uh, guys will be scared after that Friday night, especially against a relegation rival. Take them out the firing line for a week and regroup maybe with some of them against Bordeaux. If they... But on the other hand, you know, if they get, it can change very fast, as it always does with St. Once they get a win, as you said, the talent they have, it's like they catch fire and the momentum builds. When things are going good, they go very, very good. And that cauldron is worth I, almost the goal head start to them when it's on fire. Yeah, that's true. They call it 12 men, and, and it's not a it's not a joke. It is definitely one of the best stadiums uh, in France. Yeah, Bernard Denis at first was supposed to be just here to cover for Etienne Green's injury, and then because they did so well, Duprat kept him on. So, so yeah, maybe it's overdue that Green comes back uh, in between the posts. Awesome. That's the end of part one. Obviously, quite a bit about Saint Etienne. Of course, we're going to keep talking about them until the end of the season. Seven game left, and and what seven games for Lever. Uh, it's going to be a fight until the end for uh, for Dupin and his men. Uh, it'll, it'll be tough to lose that club to Ligue 2 because of all the history. But like we said, it's also one of the clubs that has been the less convincing all season. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe clubs like this, they go into second division. They have time to actually repeat themselves, remove all the high-paid players and start fresh, start anew with young players from the club who know the club, bleed the club, uh, and hopefully can rebuild that. Um, better. Part one's over. Let's go into the, the bread and butter of Castellini and talk about match day 31. <laughs> 